Hey, good morning. Let's try that again. Good morning. Hey, there we go. Hey, so we've been uh, in this psalm series for over a month now. And, and guys, I love the psalms for a lot of different reasons. Um, I love it because you really see the genuine emotion uh, that God's people experience and they don't hold back. I mean, if you turn to Psalm 88, it's one of the darkest psalms uh, in that book. And literally, uh, the psalmist is verbally vomiting to God um, what's going on in his life. And, and I think a lot of times we think, man, God, God just can't handle the things that are going on in my life. But the thing is, God can. And there's a book called Psalms that is filled um, with all sorts of emotions, which is why we have on the bulletin, breezing through life's emotions. And so this is just a great reminder that God can handle anything and all things that come our way. And also, uh, I think Psalms is one of the most relatable uh, books because you and I, we're constantly going through the highs and lows of life. One way something happens, we're, we're down in the deeps, or another moment we're on the mountaintop. And so I think the book of Psalms just absolutely outlines this perfectly of all the different highs and lows of emotions that we go through. And so as we dive into God's Word today, as we dive into this message, I want to talk about something and focus on something that, that Wes already hit on. It's this idea of shame. Something that we struggle to let go of. And shame, shame's a negative emotion caused by an awareness of, of a wrongdoing of something. And shame is one of these things that I think the enemy tries to hold over our head to make us powerless or to hinder us from experiencing God's grace and love in our lives. And so what, what accompanies shame, guys? We've got lies, and specifically lies from the enemy that say, well, you're unlovable, or you're not good enough, or you're never going to measure up. These different lies that are circulating, the enemy uses to hold over our head. And so as we spend time uh, in God's Word today, I really want to paint a picture uh, of the freedom that we can experience in Jesus by letting go. So let me, uh, let me give you a little background real quick. So there's this guy, Wes has alluded to, but there's this guy who's a rich, he's a ruler uh, over God's people, and God has called him into this position and has selected this guy because he supposedly has a heart after God. However, this same guy goes out, sleeps with one of his loyal friend's wives, and while he's out at battle... After doing this, David tries to cover it up. He's like, okay, I screwed up. I need to call Uriah, this friend of mine. He's like, he needs to go home and be with his wife. I made a mistake. So he tries to cover it up. Uriah says, no, I'm not going anywhere. I'm staying home. I'm staying back with the troops. I'm going to remain loyal to them. And so all of a sudden, David's scrambling, still trying to hide what's going on in his life. And he's like, okay, I've got this idea. And all of a sudden, he sends one of his loyal friends 
out on the front lines to be killed. And so he figures out this plan B. And some of you know this story. And as Wes said, this is King David's story. And today, we would throw judgment on a guy like David. And the crazy thing is, many of us, when we read the Psalms, we're like, man, David, this is one of my favorite guys in the Bible. David's got all these things going on. He's, he's this guy. He's a guy after God's own heart. But I think today, if we looked at David in our culture, if David was in the same position of power today, which would be the president of the U.S., I think, one, if all of this unraveled and unfolded, we would be quick, one, to cancel David, and two, we'd demand that David be locked up for life, or even worse, we wouldn't be so quick to give grace, because we'd want some sort of vindication for this guy. However, guys, this is not how David's story went. And so despite David's sin, God's grace abounds all the more. And despite David's sin, this isn't to say that David just got off scot-free and he can do whatever he wants But God has an immense amount of love and forgiveness available. And so this psalm that that we're spending this, this time this morning in, as you quickly will see, is all about releasing our guilt and confessing our sin before God and being made clean by the forgiveness and the blood of Jesus. So if you have your Bibles, uh, we're going to be in Psalm 51 if you're not there already. Um, If you want to get your phone out and won't be too distracted, you can do that as well. But we're going to pick up in verse 1. David says, Have mercy on me, O God. According to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. So let's pause real quick. So I want to walk us through this process that David is going through. So first of all, what, what does David do? David recognizes, hey, there's something wrong in my life. Lord, you've revealed it. There's something wrong. It needs to change. It needs to go by the wayside. And so David quickly realizes that his sin has taken him the complete wrong direction. Now let me give you a, a story real quick. So it's kind of a silly example, but I think it illustrates the point. Um, one of my buddies, a few years ago, we went go-karting in college, and as you know, there's clearly a wrong and right direction of where you should go, and as this lady's explaining, she's like, all right, you'll, you'll turn right, you'll go here, this is the right direction around the cart. I think it's self-explanatory. My buddy didn't really get the memo, and so he was driving out. You can go two different ways. You can go this way, go straight, or you can go completely opposite and go the complete different direction. So he goes the complete different direction, and he's going, and he's looking around. Where is everyone? I must be winning. All of a sudden, we come from the complete opposite direction, and we're all starting to pass him. He starts freaking out. And so all of a sudden, the old cart cop gets upset, and she comes out. 
And she stops the entire race, and he's just sitting there, kind of embarrassed, and she's kind of perplexed, like, how did you go this way while everyone else is going this way? And when I bring it up today, um, he still, I think it's hilarious, but he still thinks he's in the right and said, well, she said this way. She said we should all go this way. No, she didn't. And so... Whenever I bring it up, he still blames this lady. And while this is kind of a silly and ridiculous story, um, sometimes I think people fail to recognize where they're going simply because they believe that their way is the right direction. And so, as Wes said, this is a challenging thing, but this is why we talk about sin here at Crossroads. It's not to condemn anyone. Or our world, but Jesus says, I did not come to condemn the world, but to save it. We preach sin according to what the Bible says because God doesn't want us driving into oncoming traffic like my buddy. Sure, it might have been funny or even fun for a few seconds, but if you and I continue to drive into oncoming traffic, eventually you and I are going to get hit, or somewhere along the line, we're going to hurt the person that we're going in the wrong direction towards. And so we desire to save people from this heartache and this pain, and God desires to protect us from getting hit. Now, I get it. Nobody likes to be told they're wrong. Nobody likes to be called out for all of this. But as painful or offensive as it can be for being called out for heading the wrong direction, for thinking or believing or behaving in the wrong way, sometimes the hard truth is exactly what you and I need. Now imagine if nobody helped my buddy out. I think he would have eventually figured out he was going the wrong direction. But sometimes when we're going the wrong direction, we, we can't figure out where we've gone wrong. And eventually we'll even hurt ourselves or others, and so recognition is the first step towards living free. Guys, we have to own our mistakes and acknowledge when our lives are heading contrary to God's good and perfect design. And so the reason it's important that you and I recognize, specifically in regard to the passage that we're focused on today, is due to the fact that if we're unable to recognize something wrong inside of our lives, you and I, we're not going to experience God's grace or mercy in our lives, and we're also going to be heading in the wrong direction towards shame and guilt and not even realize how we got down that road. And so that's why it matters, because if we can't recognize our own sins, you and I are never going to be able to move towards repentance which brings about freedom in Jesus Christ. And so, if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in verse 2, so pick up with me there. David says, Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin, for I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you and you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So you are right in your verdict and you are justified when you judge Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Yet you desired faithfulness even in the womb. 
You taught me wisdom in that secret place. Cleanse me with hyssop, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquity. So let's stop again. So David won. He recognizes he's in the wrong. But David, not only does he recognize that, David also starts to move towards repentance. And it's one thing to recognize we're in the wrong, but it's another thing to to repent and to actually change the direction of where we're headed. So let me give you uh, another example. So Atticus, our baby boy, he's four months old, and oftentimes, you know, he spits up after eating. Um, If you're a parent, you know what that is and what's going on, but there's this time uh, where Atticus, he spit up, he kind of vomited, and he starts to recognize this is disgusting, this is gross, and he's crying, and he's throwing a fit, and all of a sudden, after he recognizes what's going on, all the vomit gets on him, and he starts eating it. I'm like, buddy, what are you doing? I'm like, stop that. And the point that I'm trying to make is that if we only recognize what's happening, but change nothing in return to to what we're doing, then we're no different than a dog or, I guess, a baby returning to its own vomit. Now, as a four-month-old, he has no idea, or I don't think he has any idea of what he's doing, but... I realize that some of us may not recognize or realize that things should not be the way they should. And there's grace in that. But I think for some of us, we do realize things should be different. And this isn't to harp on anyone. I think some of us in here, we feel things should be different. But we're held down by guilt and shame and lies that say, I could never change. I could never do anything different. And so we feel powerless. But I want to encourage each and every one of us in this room that we don't have to sit in that place. We can release it to God and make this 180 down the right direction. And this is precisely what David's doing. Hey, I've screwed up, God, but I need to change. Now, if you don't know David's full story... David didn't get to that point exactly. David didn't immediately confess his wrongdoing to the Lord. He tried to hide and hide over and over again. And finally, David had to be confronted by this guy named Nathan, who was a court prophet or a guy who kind of talked about, okay, this is the rise and fall of kings. And so these type of people were not well liked by anybody, but Nathan was a God-fearing man. And so Nathan confronted him, and David finally began to feel this sense of remorse in his life. And we see this conviction to confess and repent through the psalm. However, I can imagine that David, being a king and having all these responsibilities and all this power, was covered up in some sort of guilt and shame that said, ah, I can't share it. If I expose this in the light, everything's going to be gone. Everything's going to fall apart. And so David thought, man, if I bury it, maybe I'm just going to forget about it. 
And I think sometimes we think if people knew the shortcomings or mistakes or sin in our life, they would reject us. They'd say, I'm not, I'm not going to talk to you. You're too far gone. But that's not the case. That's not what this place is about here. And I want you guys to listen to Nathan's response in 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 13. What he says to David. Then David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan replied, The Lord has taken away your sin. You will not die. Guys, there's an important point to make here. Confession, it offers healing. And if we learn to confess not only just to God... That's important. But if we learn to confess to others, you and I are going to experience freedom in our community of Christ followers. For example, James 5 says, Confess your sins to one another and pray for each other that you may be healed. And guys, this church, this church is a place where we encourage each and every one of us to find deep and meaningful relationships in Jesus. Each of us need people that love Jesus and people where we feel we belong, people where we feel safe around, to expose the sin within us. And the reason that this is so important is you and I are truly only going to experience life change if we're doing life in community with other followers of Jesus. And that's what David did. And he experienced loads of freedom. And if you go back to that verse, Nathan says the Lord's going to spare his life. This is amazing, right? Because based off the law, and especially our law today, David would be tried for first degree murder, which would be a life sentence or something else to that regard. However, God decided to spare his life. Now the good thing for us is that while we deserve to pay the price of our sins, Jesus came to bear every single one of our mistakes and shortcomings so that you and I would not stand guilty or opposed to a loving God, but that we would be lifted from our guilt and our shame and that you and I be forgiven by the blood of Jesus, just like that song declared. Now, I can imagine some of us right now, we're holding on to shame from some sort of thing in our past. And even though we know that grace and forgiveness is available to each and every one of us, we still feel trapped by the power of guilt and shame. And some of us are holding on to it because we're, we're afraid that exposing this sin or burden or whatever's going on in our life will change things drastically. It will change things, but it will change things for the better. And so if you look at this passage, David is releasing his shame and his guilt before the Lord. And he says, Blot out my iniquities. Clean me. Wash me whiter than snow. And hide your face from my sins. And can you imagine the freedom that David is experiencing as he's releasing this not only to the Lord, but to somebody else who's a follower. And sometimes when it comes to our own mistakes, again, 
we hold on to this guilt and shame that says we're, un- we're unworthy, we're unlovable, and suddenly we begin to walk around feeling weighed down. We're carrying a weight. And if we don't release this weight, it's going to cause us to feel burdened and overwhelmed. And it's going to make us feel isolated or that we're on an island by ourselves. And this is precisely what Satan, the enemy, wants. Like a wolf who seeks to separate the weak and the young from their pack, Satan desires to remove each of us around those we do life with and to shame us. And that's his main weapon. He says, you can't confess that. They'd never accept you if they knew this about you. And while it seems easy, maybe to walk around with our shame at first, it almost becomes unbearable. If you look at the slide, it's like a boulder that continues to get bigger and bigger and finally is too difficult to carry. And little do we know that we are living way down and not walking in the freedom that Jesus desires for us to walk in. And so whatever burden that you've been carrying, release it to Jesus and release it around this place. Because guys, this place here at Crossroads, this is a safe place of broken people, messed up people. It doesn't matter what your background is. This place is yours for you to walk into, to feel a part of a community of Christ followers. This is for you. And the thing is, we all need to be reminded from time to time that guilt and shame doesn't define us. Jesus is the one who defines you. And oftentimes, we're left believing the lies that God can never forgive you. He knows what you did last night. He's disappointed, and guys, it couldn't be further from the truth. See, God loves you, and he died for you on that cross, willingly. See, when Jesus, God himself in the flesh, walked among us, he not only died for you and I, but he paid for our freedom so that you and I would not be under the weight of our shame and guilt. God doesn't want us to just be saved If we were all just saved, we would all be, I mean, wouldn't you think that we would all be up or something? God wants to bring ultimate freedom in our lives, and that's exactly what Jesus did. And so, guys, we can live redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ as a new creation. If you're still in your Bible, go back to verse 10. It says, Create in me a pure heart, O God. And renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing uh, spirit to sustain me. Then I will teach transgressors your ways so that sinners will turn back to you. Deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed, O God. You who are God, my Savior, and my tongue will sing of your righteousness. Open my lips, O Lord and my mouth will declare your praise. You do not delight in sacrifice, or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. My sacrifice, listen to this, guys. My sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. You, O God, 
will not despise. May it please you to prosper Zion, to build the walls of Jerusalem. Then you will delight in the sacrifices of the righteous and burnt offerings offered to a whole. Then bowls will be offered on your altar. This is, this is what it looks like to live redeemed. And this redemption is available to each and every one of us if we recognize, one, the brokenness in ourselves, and then expose that brokenness before God through repentance in Christ Jesus. And the thing is, I believe some of us in here have made a decision to follow Jesus across the line of faith. But some of us are still living in our past like nothing's changed. We may have laid our brokenness down at the cross and received Jesus as our Lord and Savior, but some of us are still not living redeemed and free in Jesus. And so I know that some of you might hear this and might dismiss the possibility of living redeemed and set free by the King. Some of you might be like, ah, it's not possible. I'm a Christian. I've been walking through this journey. I've been struggling with this sin for 5, 10, 15, 20 years. It's not possible. It's just what's going to happen, but it is what it is. But the thing is, we can experience freedom in Jesus. And I want us to experience what it looks like to live redeemed and restored by responding to this message before we, we begin to do that, I want to highlight a passage from Scripture that's going to really help us soak in what we're going to do. And this passage is in John 8. It's this passage where these religious leaders, they come to Jesus. They said, we found this woman. She's been caught in adultery. If you don't know what that is, that's somebody who's sleeping with somebody else's spouse uh, that's not their own. And so they're like, Jesus, look at her. Look at the sin that she's done. Jesus, do something about it. Come on, do something. They're trying to trap Jesus. And Jesus says, in God's word, it says, they kept demanding an answer. And as he stood up again and said, all right, but let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. Then he stooped down again and wrote in the dust. And when the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest until only Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with the woman. Then Jesus stood up to the woman and said, where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said. And Jesus said, neither do I. Go on and sin no more. So some of us, we've been walking in guilt and shame for too long. Much like King David was. Much like the woman caught in adultery. And so what I want you guys to do now, and I'm going to invite the worship team to come up and to play a song while we do this. But I want to grab, I want each of you to Take the water-soluble paper underneath your seat. And I'd like you, if you want to or if you're comfortable, to release these things to Jesus. This could be burdens. This could be past sin and shame. 
or anything that has been weighing you down. And I know this might seem taboo to some of us, like, what are, what are we doing here? But we did something that was super powerful, um, and we did it at ice camp, and we took uh, our youth group a couple months ago. And so as you do it, there's going to be five buckets around the room, uh, one in every corner and one up here. And if you don't feel comfortable doing it now, you can do it after the song is over when everyone's dismissed. But what you're going to do, if you do it, you're going to write down something in your life, maybe sin, a burden, something that you've been holding on to. And as you do it, you're going to drop it in the bucket. When you go over to the bucket, I want you to watch for a second because what you write and what you see, it's going to disappear and vanish before your eyes. And this is exactly what happened for the woman caught in adultery. Her accusers left, and she was left in the presence of Jesus who didn't condemn her either. And Jesus loves each and every one of you. He doesn't condemn any of you. And so go now and release your burdens over to him. I'm going to pray for us and the worship team will play. Jesus, we just thank you for the blood that was shed on the cross for each and every one of us in this place that we wouldn't have to be caught up in our shame or guilt, but that you would set us free from that. That we would be able to look at you, O oh God, and know that we have been cleansed by the blood of Jesus. And so, Lord, I pray now that as people are in this place, that they would open their hearts to you, Lord, that they would begin to feel comfortable, God, sharing these things before you and releasing it before you, O oh God. God, open us today to, to declare and rid these things from our life so that we can walk in the freedom of Jesus Christ.